every person in the world does the best they can with what they have and if you can acknowledge that someone is judging you or hurting you or transgressing against you from a place of literally not being able to do better in that moment it sort of washes it all away welcome to the sovereign society podcast a sacred lifestyle sanctuary empowering you to honor the journey trust the process and radiate your radness I'm your host, Sabrina Riccio, soulful business mentor, kundalini yoga teacher, and modern medicine priestess who's on a mission to anchor heaven on earth in this golden era. Join me every week as I'll be sharing with you real talk conversations with some of my favorite sacred disruptors, modern mystics, and soulpreneurs. We are a collective of conscious creators who understand that life is happening for us, not to us. As our contribution to the evolution of humanity, we are honored to share with you all things social justice, personal empowerment, and what it takes for you to activate your legacy. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the Sovereign Society podcast. Prepare yourself because the journey to reclaim your power awaits. Hello, 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 and welcome to this episode of the Sovereign Society podcast. I'm your spirit guide, Sabrina Riccio, and I'm beyond thrilled to be sharing with you this latest episode of the podcast because this is a conversation I've been patiently waiting for with my dear desert dweller, my dear resilient sister, Zoe Greco, aka the Merhipsy. And I was on my way to Tucson, Arizona for the Tucson Gem Fair. And I needed to stop in Phoenix to chat with her because we've been following each other on Instagram for quite some time. And I've always resonated with her aesthetic, her branding, obviously another desert babe, so she gets what it's like living and growing up in our 20s and in our adulthood in the desert. And it was just a no-brainer. So I went and stopped to see Zoe in her beautiful space and I just wanted to be able to have a real and authentic conversation with you all with Zoe uh, because, you know, it's 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 not every there aren't just all the healers are in California. Right. We're all over the place. And there's so many of you that follow me here that aren't in California or aren't in New York where there is this oversaturation of health and wellness. And this was especially true with Zoe. You know, she's she's living in Arizona and she's knowing that like you know there's a lot of people all over the world that need our truth and need our medicine and so in this conversation this is probably one of my favorite ones I love doing them in person well I'm not in LA you know I do understand what it's like not having all the teachers around me living in Joshua Tree but this was just like next level we talked about like new leader new paradigm leadership and the truth about what's going on in the world there's a lot of people that aren't talking about, you know, the politics of what's happening and the marginalization of people of color and different sexual orientations and even locations that we're seeing. And so this is the time for us, especially the spiritual folk, to get radically honest with where humanity is and how we can really begin to take action. And so that's what Zoe and I really talked about in this really powerful conversation. It was so powerful and we got so in the zone. The energy of us and this medicine, it sucked the battery dry while we were mid-recording. It was just like, whoa, like we really went there. So we had to come back down a little bit. Um, but if you don't know who Zoe is, she's also known as the Merhipsy and she's this really beautiful intuitive empath and spiritual coach whose work is here to really help connect individuals to the divine grace and this unconditional love that awaits 
awaits all of us in every moment from this universal energy. So she also is the creatrix of two decks. She has the Mystic Rebel Oracle deck, and she also has um, with crystals as well. And she's the host of the Mystic Rebel podcast. And she's also half of the sound healing duo Woke Renegade. And again, this is just like a soul sister. I went in there and I just felt like I was in my own home. And so she really uses her gifts of clairvoyance and healing and empowerment to really help individuals step into their purpose and gain clarity on their lives to find that fulfillment and the abundance in all forms. And so she's really here because her deepest passion is to really create tools and educational materials to help souls expand their intuitive ability and to have a closer relationship with the divine. I totally get it. And with that, I'm excited to share that there are less than two weeks left for you to join me for my three-month journey, my signature program I call Thrive, because a lot of what we're talking about in this episode of like healing ourselves so that we can go forth and really unleash our medicine and build our soulful online business, this is what Thrive offers. And so I currently am open for enrollment. Spots are filling up. The doors are closing May 2nd. And it's just so exciting to see this next wave of spiritual leaders who are authentic, who are vulnerable, who are real, who are embracing all facets of their human experience to understand that what they're here to do, there's a purpose to what they've endured. And they're here to really help people all over. This is the blessing we have of the online world is that we can touch and work with people all over. Like there's already people signing all over the world for this experience. And so know that you're supported, especially if you're in middle America or somewhere else where there isn't the oversaturation of teachers like there is in California or New York. You're so supported. And that's one of the greatest blessings we have of this podcast and these courses. So if you're interested, you can check out experience.sabrinariccio.com slash thrive, or you can check the link in the show notes below but essentially in this episode Zoe and I we talked about cultivating connection and community when living in a small town we talked about the awakening in our current politics and the draft for the light army we talked about the power of perception how media is trying its best to disempower millennials understanding paradigm leadership how spirit speaks to those who listen how to start giving a shit about the environment you know as I record this is a day after earth day and to me every day is earth day right And so we have this opportunity to understand that the trauma we've endured, the pain that we've endured, all of it is playing a role in these fear-based thoughts. And we have a power to really choose and, and renew and choose again. And so we also talked about that, the inclusivity and privilege in the spiritual community, cultural appropriation, gender fluidity, and wellness beyond whiteness, and of course, the money motivation to move mountains and serve. So this is one of my favorite episodes because I talked about all of my favorite topics. And for Zoe to go there with me, I was just so grateful for this episode. So for those of you who are tuning in, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for liking. And remember to leave a podcast, uh, leave a comment on for the podcast on iTunes. It really helps bring this message out to more people and this is it this is this is a community effort so if you love the podcast and I know I get messages from you guys all the time how the podcast has really helped you with your healing please if you can just take a few minutes of your time to leave a review it means the world to me but in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this episode this is next level this is so great so I'm excited to be sharing with you episode 78 growing your soulful business and new paradigm leadership with Zoni Greco enjoy Hello and welcome. I'm actually really excited about this episode of the Sovereign Society podcast because the Sovereign Society podcast has hit the road. (laughs) (laughs) 
Here you are in Phoenix. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, and this is like the furthest I've gone to record a podcast. Like living in Joshua Tree, I go a lot to LA or whatever, but I'm on my way to the Tucson Gem Fair, and I was like, oh, well, I have to hit the sister up who we've been like Instagram following each other for like years. So I've got Zoe Greco here, aka the Merhipsy. And it's just really fun being in her sacred home because from one desert chick to another, it's like the aesthetics are like, oh, yeah, like (laughs) this is, yeah, my vibe. It's just like crystals everywhere and like natural elements and plants and triangles. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this conversation is going to be a bomb. (laughs) So it's a great place to just I just feel like at home here because it's like the the same kind of aesthetic and like sacred container that I really like to create for myself. Love it. The desert has its like magic. It really yes. does. I always say that. The desert magic is a unique brand of medicine. I've never felt this anywhere else I've ever lived. It's different than like the medicine of the ocean or the medicine of the forest. It's it's completely vibrationally unique. Yeah, and I think what makes us desert babes like resilient we have like a lot of resilience because we go we can have like extreme cold to like extreme heat yes so we're like chameleon shape-shifting yes absolutely (laughs) yes so yeah I was I driving out to uh, Tucson for the for the gem fair I was I'm doing the trek alone there and then coming back I'll have my friend Krista Ryerson of Chalice Grove with me and I was like, I want to like break up this ride and I want to also make it like super fun. And I was like, oh my God, this is a no brainer. So I was like, Zoe, yo girl, (laughs) I'm coming this way. And I mean, I know there's not a lot of, you know, people like healers like this that at least are on the big like social media awareness as it is in like California, you know, it's like so oversaturated. So how does, how do you feel like with being here and understanding that there isn't as much of. I don't want to say like a variety, but there isn't as much of that, you know, opportunity or of like spiritual entrepreneurs, you know, like how do you allow yourself to connect to the bigger, like the bigger communities that are kind of maybe as a Californian, like I take for granted, like I still feel like I live like two and a half hours away from like everyone, but we're like really landlocked here. Yeah. I actually moved out to Arizona. I'm originally from the East Coast. I'm from New York. And then I went to college in California. I went to the Claremont Consortium Schools in in Claremont, Mm -hmm. Mona Pitzer. And I came out to Arizona to go to the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts after I graduated with my bachelor's because I was like, oh, I studied gender and Asian culture. And I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do with that? So uh, I came out here to study healing. That's what I was really passionate about. And Oddly enough, I found a community of people who had all sort of flocked here to study there as well. But then also there were people who had just sort of built this community and were already aware of it. So there so I would say in Phoenix, where I am, I actually feel very much at home. But when it comes to connecting in with the world of healers like at large or the macro, I actually do feel really left out. I feel Mm. like super um like I don't want to say I have FOMO you know but (laughs) no I get it I I, get it I kind of do in a way because I feel like there's so much sisterhood out in California and having been there and lived there I remember the feeling of it like I remember the connections and I just wasn't at this point in my career to have really infiltrated it or like enjoyed Mm -hmm. it 
Um, and so now I actually don't feel like I have as many peers here in Phoenix, but I definitely do have a role here because I actually ended up teaching at Southwest Institute of Healing Arts. So I would say in a lot of ways, I, you know, I business coach other healers out here. I like to connect healers. I am helping to raise healers. So tons of my clients come to me because they're like, I want to be like you. Mm-hmm. How do I do that? And I'm like, girl, I can teach you. That's easy. Um, so I feel like I create a community and I'm kind of, I don't want to say like I'm like a leader in it, but I do sometimes feel like I have a leadership role in it. But when it comes to like my peers, mm-hmm. I feel a little bit far away. Yeah. Cause left out. there's no accident why we're all here, you know, and I like to tell people like there's no accident, like where you are in the path. Correct. And I get people messaging me all the time. Like, Hey, I live in the middle of nowhere. And like, yeah. it's really hard to connect with people or, you know, it's like, like I said, we're so oversaturated in California. And then there's so many parts of at least the U S that are kind of like, I don't even want to say neglected, but it's just like, Hey, over here. They're like devoid of this energy. They just don't have any of this thing. And I hear that a lot. I have Mm -hmm. clients or back when I was teaching, I had students who were like, I live in the middle of Iowa and like I want to be a mm-hmm. Reiki practitioner but no everyone looks at me like I got three heads and it's like really mm-hmm. like, I understand that that exists but I've never been so far removed from it like mm-hmm. I can't I can't actually relate to that experience which mm-hmm. I think is really interesting I've never experienced it I have a fearlessness where I'm just like who gives a shit it's not basic it means I'm not unconscious mm-hmm. so that's okay and you're not blending into the norm it's like a that um that permission to allow yourself to be you. Yes. You and know. you're being a light. When mm-hmm. you're you, you're being a light. So if in Iowa there's not enough of that, guess what? You are the catalyst. You are the light. Mm-hmm. So other people can find themselves and understand themselves. So if anything, I think it's a blessing. I think it's maybe easier to be someone that stands out than it is to be someone in California where it's like everyone and their mom is like doing Mm -hmm. Reiki now. Literally everyone and their mom does Reiki. There's also a good thing about that too, is that we can get out of the scarcity mindset of like, if like in California, for instance, if there's such an oversaturation of like, Oh, well everyone else is doing it. Yes. And no, like, You, you may see it in your perception that everyone around you is doing it because that is your world. But when you think about the grander picture of like how many people actually need the healing and how many people actually need the medicine, like more on the team, please, you yes, know? And I think exactly. that's part of um, how we have to really shift our mindset to as a healer, you know? It's like, oh, well, shit, well, someone else is already doing this. Yes, but no one's doing it like you. Yes. Oh, I can't even tell you how much I agree with that. And of course, like the ego wants you to think, right? Like oh, when I was making my decks, I was like, there were moments when I said, why am I doing this? Like there's other ones, or, there's ones that are better. Like I, I, I waited too long. This mm-hmm. isn't good enough. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Mm-hmm. Like we're all bringing our own unique brand of medicine. And you're right in the, in the grand scheme of almost 8 billion people now, which by the way is too many people. Uh, we need as many healers as we can get. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to be able to have access to this this medicine and this this holding. Because this, this is a new paradigm we're also embarking in. And yes. so um, the more conscious people that we have and the more conscious people that are able to um, unapologetically share who they are through vulnerability, through sharing experience, that gives other people permission to, one, feel like they aren't alone. And two, it creates that ripple effect because as we continue to step deeper into the Aquarian age and we step deeper into this new paradigm, people who may be unconscious are going to be like, what the fuck is going on? Yes. 
you know? And I think people who may be in these areas and may not be overpopulated with spiritual teachers, like their medicine is needed probably even more because there's, you know, there's a bigger, um, race, like a radius that they have of people that they can reach in that area. And they have a, a higher opportunity or just an opportunity to, cause it's all your own mindset, but you have that opportunity to even reach more people. If you look at, you know, just in the area in terms of like population and, um, percentage. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just the numbers alone support yeah. your, uh, mm-hmm. your path as a healer. I have actually been referring to this very similar, you're calling it a paradigm shift and mm-hmm. I keep calling it an awakening. Mm-hmm. It's something that I feel like, because I've had so many clients, if I may get political for a second. No, let's, um, I love politics. Like, let's let's political. fucking do it. Um, ever since our current president. 45, elected, I like to yeah, call. Yeah. I've had people just <laughs> beside themselves being like, when will this be over? When will mm-hmm. it end? When will he go away? What's, what's going to fix this? Mm-hmm. And even though when he was elected, I was beside myself I'll be honest like I felt suicidal that night because I was like I don't want to live in a world where people wanted this to happen like I was really impacted by that mm-hmm. but as a desert dweller I did res- I was very resilient I bounced <laughs> back pretty quickly and knew I had to be there to support others and it just lasted a second I was like Ugh. but I know that the face of evil has to rise mm-hmm. so that people are awakened to their power, to their light. Mm-hmm. And I keep calling it like an, a light army. I wish I had another term for it, but that's because I don't think we're, we're combative or like militant. I just think we're coming forward in droves and numbers and people are, there's something's clicking in them where they're like, I think I want to be more spiritual, mm-hmm. which turns into, I think I want to be more conscious. I think I want to be who I actually am yes. at the core. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's, I, I keep tying this back for me, this, there's like a recurring message that keeps downloading. I read Eckhart Tolle, obviously, A New Earth. And Ugh. then 2012 happened. And there was all this like, do you remember that? Like everyone was like, 2012, 2012. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, 2012, I was fucking struck by lightning. And like, like yeah, that was like the gnarliest year of my it existence was, so far. I feel like we all transformed. Like something shed and something mm-hmm. changed. I really feel like the New Earth began in 2012. And mm-hmm. I think it's being... Um, in, I think there's an energy that's increasing, that's that's growing, that is um, expanding, and people are responding to the call, like the draft, so to speak, for the light army has has been put out, and we're all hearing that call, and we're we're heeding it. Mm-hmm. But I think people like you and I are just here to make other people feel comfortable responding to that call. Because the way I see it, it's like waves of teachers. So I feel like a lot of people who had the awakening and the awareness that happened in 2012. It's like a seven-year cycle now. We're in 2019, so yeah. seven's a very powerful year in terms of consciousness and, you know, um, preferences and everything change yes. every seven years. And so uh, I know for me and a lot of the people in my inner circle, the past few years have been feeling really challenging. Yeah. And the biggest thing is to also understand that, like, we've been kind of clearing out the debris of the old paradigm of yes. the Piscean age. And so us who have been doing the work for at least the past seven years or so, like we're helping set precedent for the people who may just be awakening right now. And we've had to go through a lot of the shit and a lot of the trauma and the pain and all of that to clear out for our brothers and sisters and be like, Hey, there's a faster way to do it. I know for me, that's why, um, I've geared out of doing trauma work because otherwise I'm just continuously reopening my own wound. Mm. And it's like, okay, well, if I get to decide my reality and how I get to experience my reality, if I get to say right here, right now, that ancestral karma is cleared. If I get to say here, right here, right now, 
there's there isn't any more of that thing right like yes. I get to choose because I the world that I am seeing is based off of my decision or my mindset or my beliefs your perceptions the yes. perception yes I tell people that all the time I, I had a client just today actually who was who was just so afraid to face her wounds and go through the healing and I kept telling her like this is the hard part right here mm -hmm. just acknowledging it Go, moving away from the denial of it and the rejection of it, just moving into awareness around it. Mm -hmm. That's the most important There's part. There's no shaming, you know, and I think we grew up in a society of shame and blame, like yeah. as kids, either if like we were always like super gifted because we were always connected spiritually because yes. we are that bridge between um, the old and new paradigms. So it's like we were kind of already brought on this earth at the end of the old uh, millennia, yes. you know, because it's like, we are like the star seeds that really came in to implement and to plant what the future looks like. So media and the propaganda of media is trying to diminish the power of millennials specifically yes. because they're afraid of us because we are so powerful and like our DNA and everything is shifted. And even the kids post 2012, like they are completely different creatures. Yes. You know? I actually am a huge fan of Gen Z. I'm a little jealous of Gen Z. I feel like they are so on fire they've been activists since they were born because they were all born like after 9-11 you know yes. like our generation we were in puberty during 9-11 these kids all they've seen us too I mean but mostly all these kids all they've seen is war and perish and all this shit and it's like no this is there's something more and that's yes. why I think there's so much more expression of yes. who they are like these 13 year olds like they've got like great fucking style oh and, yeah like, <laughs> they're like I love those memes that are like, you have to go through your awkward phase just like I did. It's like, yeah. no, 13 year olds look like Kylie Jenner now and that's all right. Like, yeah. I'm, like they can do what they want to do. <laughs> but I honestly like, I think living in a world where they did not have an adolescence without technology. I say like, this all the time. Like I don't, I, I think there's a, something about that that made them grow up very quickly. And so there's sometimes we're looking at them like you're growing up too fast. And other times it's like, no, you're, you're right on schedule. Like you're growing up in the world you were, you were born into. You're doing, you right. chose you're to come okay. in at that time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I have so much respect for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's interesting cause I'm my, I, my dad's one of eight. So I have 14 cousins on my dad's side and I'm number four. Wow. So like the one who's 20 years old, like he's like my best friend and he's super passionate about politics. Like shit, I wasn't even in, like, yes, I was interested in it, but right. like he's really active, you know, and things like that. Like they understand that they came here to make change and yes. to disrupt the status quo, which is why I love like the sacred disruptors is because we came here to really disrupt the status quo and to shed light onto the things and the systems that actually aren't working anymore. Yes. And I think that's the role of 45 is to just really like bring a magnifying glass on what's wrong. Yes. And then here we come in as spiritual leaders and being like, okay, so let's, instead of masking the problem or easing the symptoms, let's actually find the solution. 100%. At first I was like, there's no way he's going to make it four years. And now I'm like, I'm kind of glad because... If anything, I feel like he's just demonstrated that he's an idiot. Like, I just like, I'm not, I'm not, before I was afraid, I was afraid of him because I was like, what's he going to do? But I'm not afraid of him anymore. I look at him like a petulant child and I'm mm -hmm. like, go ahead, throw your temper change. I look at him as seeing, as his inner child, just so fucking hurting. And like, oh, you yeah. can't be an empath. Like you can't be doing this work and not recognize that like, yo, he's got straight up core wounds from his subconscious, oh. his childhood. He lacked love. 
you know, he didn't, he didn't have the, the nurturing that he needed. 100%. And so he's just, he's just calling out for love. And it's, it's interesting because, um, on Monday, like I've been all on the road this week on Monday, I was in LA for Marianne Williamson's presidential. I was just going to talk about her. <laughs> yeah. I was in LA from Marianne's presidential, um, announcement. announcement because, um, one of my, my sister's her team was responsible for the live stream. Wow. So I was supporting my friend Alice, like making sure she was good, yeah. you know? So I was pretty much like Alice's energetic assistant. Yes. <laughs> like I wore my white and I like gave her crystals and water and like, it's like frankincense. Like yes. I did what I could to support her. Cause I mean, that's a huge, oh, yeah. it's a huge thing for my friend. Like, are you oh. kidding me? Like it's not every day you're asked to like do a fucking presidential nomination so I went there and it was so fascinating because today like today is Friday five days later today was the first day I found anything online talking about her presidential bid yep yep five days later and CNN goes on and she fucking annihilated them you know she was just talking about how like we need to start shifting the consciousness and understanding that like there's just a lot of healing that needs to happen. And I so resonate with that. And what's so funny, I was thinking yesterday too, I was like, well, why hasn't anyone caught her, you know, like caught her in terms of like bringing her on these media outlets? Her vibration is so fucking high and, oh. the, and the, there's so much density in the media that it can't even... It can't contain her. It can't, contain yeah. it. So there can... The, what's great is that it's an opportunity for people like us who are constantly doing the work to continue to spread the message of what she's talking about because, yes. again, it's part of the new paradigm of what's happening and we have to, as we continue to be leaders and, and recognize each other as leaders and understand that there's no competition, like each of yes. us has a specific role to play. 100%. It's like us leaders need to come to together to support others in their brilliance you know and that's what she said new paradigm leadership is about creating the container for 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 the brilliance of others yes you know and so for me like I like I said I've been active in politics and I was um Bernie Sa- I volunteered for Bernie Sanders four years ago and uh, going to Marianne, I was like, oh, shit, yeah, you know, and she was, like, the first spiritual teacher that really, like... Resonated with you. Yeah, well, I was on my fucking... Ro- well, Deepak Chopra was my first, but yeah. the one I actually met, like, I met her in 2012, right after 2012. 2012 yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I just got struck by lightning, and I blah, 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 and just, like, fucking going off as a 23-year-old. And she's like, stop, you're going to be fine, like, yeah. return to love. And then I walked out and I saw that owl, like, just like showing me, all right, here we go. And then my, I felt like my journey really kicked off. So a part of me feels like, um, I want to support someone who really helped me because if she could help me, like, I know she can help the the collective because I am part of the collective. Like, you know what I mean? So to me, to be able to be there and to see her and the first woman I can actually get behind as president. Yes. That was a super big disappointment. Yeah. I actually remember the day after 45 was elected Marianne put out a broadcast I'm sure you remember mm-hmm. this where she was like we need to pray for him mm-hmm. we need, like he's our leader now and we mm-hmm. have to pray for him and we have to send him love and mm-hmm. you may not support him but here he is that's the I- test too that's why yes. he's here it's like are you going to continue to shame a brother are you going yeah. to continue what are you going to do or are you going to see them as a wounded it doesn't yes. matter who it is are you going to see them as wounded and like how can because they're still all we're all interconnected so yes. if we're constantly going with the bigotry or the shaming or um the attacks yeah. then we're not actually finding the solutions again yeah absolutely i 100 percent agree with you and i remember in that moment just being like 
oh, okay, I can do this. Like, mm-hmm. I can hold the space for him. I can hold the space for all of us. Like, I'm not afraid anymore. Because like I said, that the night it happened, I wasn't actually suicidal, but I was just like, oh man, I can't live in this world. <laughs> like, I can't live in this world where people are, are like this. And I remember just breaking down and she's the one that made it okay for me. Uh. And I was like, oh, you're right. Okay, thank I, you. I just remember the day after he got inaugurated, like mm-hmm. the day... The day after he got inaugurated was the women's march, yes. you know? Yes. And that way, like, the sun was out, the energy was great. The next fucking day, it was torrential downpour rain. Mm-hmm. Just like raining. And I was like, holy shit, this is purification right now. So I know for you, like, you're very connected to understanding how spirit speaks to us. Yes. So how are some of the ways that you see the elements really reaffirming or reassuring that, like, everything's going to be okay? You know, I, I notice it in the natural world, but I mostly notice it in, in people. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's certain, we all have our own medicine. We all have our own thing that we're, like, really drawn to. Mm-hmm. For me, I am very connected into people. Mm-hmm. I love and respect the natural world, but... I see it in the faces of, of kindness. I see it in the faces of the awakened and the awakening. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like everything is going to be okay because of the people in the world that inspire me and bring me hope and peace in my heart. And I actually feel like in a lot of ways, the earth and the elements are kind of rebelling against us because mm-hmm. of the way that we treat it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... So Sophia energy is a divine feminine and she's yes. being like our mother and she's like giving us kind of like a, a little spank a pat, on the uh-huh. booty. Yeah. And she's like, Hey guys, can you not? Um, and just in the way that your own mother, you know, may say to you like, Hey, don't speak to me that way. Or like, mm-hmm. Hey, don't treat me that way. Cause my mom certainly said that to me a few times. I feel like mother earth is rebelling against us a little bit and she's trying to show us what we need to know to help her, to heal mm-hmm. her, to love her. And so I know that it's like respect. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. She's trying to teach us respect. And mm-hmm. I think, I understand that there are people who are warriors on behalf of the earth and I like respect them and I'm in their, I'm their ally. I am the person who's trying to communicate to others that that's happening. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking to awareness, the people. Awareness, bring the awareness. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to spread the awareness that that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when people come to me and they're like, you know, I, I want to do something spiritual. What's my brand of medicine? I have a lot of different camps that people fall in, but one of them is warriors for the earth, like people Mm -hmm. who are standing up for mother earth and who are doing plant-based medicine and doing so sustainably, who Mm -hmm. are, um, connected to the plight of animals, the plight of, you know, the planet there's, there's those individuals. And I feel like I am trying to help them awaken to their power and their passion for that. So that's where Mm. I kind of find that my, my focus is, but I definitely do notice that mother nature is, she's she's, fucking pissed. She's speaking to us. She's definitely speaking to us. And I think, there's been like interesting studies recently. Like there was a study that trees, did you hear this? That trees actually, they're, they're conscious. Have you heard this? Mm-mm. So there's a study done and I wish I had this information on me, but that trees have consciousness and that they actually like to touch, that they communicate, that they have feelings and emotions. And I was just like, yeah, no shit. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? I don't think that's something we've all known forever. I think that's something that indigenous peoples and native peoples have known for all eternity. Um, but cool. Glad that we're just catching up to that. And I really believe that with that awareness, with that consciousness, we're, we're able to start listening more carefully and more closely. But, um, I, one, I try to be communicate this to others, but two, I try to act as an example, as you see with my 
metal straw in my oh don't even get me started <laughs> like people like give me so much shit because i walk around with my mason jar like my 32 ounce mason jar and they're like is there moonshine in that like if i had like a fucking dollar for every time i heard that like i would be sad <laughs> you can be a billionaire yeah i was like no i'm just you know and i have yeah. like my own cup and even when i go to the farmer's market now like um well i have like my own reusable like produce bags yes and um, instead of getting berries, because they like to put the berries in like a plastic bag so that they don't fall, yep. I bring like a massive like BPA-free Tupperware. Yes. So I'm just like, fucking just put it in there. Don't yep. worry about it. Like, don't waste yours. Like, yeah. And I bring my like little red bag that carries all my oranges with me every yes. week, you know? Like, yes. that's something that I'm seeing because I like... It breaks my heart when I live by a national park and there's just so much fucking trash. Yep. I mean, granted, with this government shutdown of course like joshua tree national park got so destroyed like the damages that were done like it's going to take at least 300 years to repair the trees that people were just like so unconscious of just like knocking down and graffiti it was just like it was fucking horrible and i could feel the energy of that you know i lived 10 minutes from the national park and i could just feel it's morning and it was too much for me to go in so i just would like visualize just like the love in there yes Because it's just, you know, it's just that lack of awareness that people had. And so I think, like, again, going back to what we were talking about when we first started, like, going back to, like, the middle America, like, if anything, that is the area where the medicine is, like, most needed. Because that's where there's the lower levels of consciousness than there are, like, in New York or California. More specifically California, because the West deals a lot with that energy. So, um I just want to say whoever's listening, if you're living in the Midwest or if you're living in the South or, you know, center of America, know that your medicine is needed, like, extremely. Shine. Show up. There's no playing small. Like, those are the people that need it. Like, I posted, speaking of Marianne Williamson, I posted today on my Facebook, which I, like, never do because it's, like... I'm not active on there and it's all family members, you know, and I posted like, oh, uh, the CNN interview of Marianne Williamson today. And I was like, oh, uh, welcome to the new paradigm of politics. My cousin who lives in Ohio is just starting to go all like all how like all the the almighty president that we have right now. And I was like, bigotry and hate is not going to be the answer. Stop watching Fox News. Yeah. And he was like, well, stop watching CNN and stuff. I was like, don't worry, because I don't watch those shows. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause> like, <laughs> that's not what I'm consuming. Yeah, it's it's like, that's not it. what I'm doing. But yeah. it's like, those are the people that are like, they're acting out that way because there's something that's being triggered within them with the way that the world is right now, yeah. that it feels comfortable yeah. because it's known. They're afraid. Yeah. They're very afraid. There's a lot of fear. And that's that was one of the things I noticed a lot. And it's so interesting this conversation turns so political, but my biggest fear was for my brothers and sisters who were of different races and religions. That was my biggest fear was like, yeah. they're no longer safe. It's like two step backwards. Exactly. Because it's, and people would always be like, that's not true. He doesn't tell them to go out and hurt people. I'm like, yeah, no shit. But he doesn't not tell them. He mm-hmm. doesn't discourage it. He doesn't. Um, and when it does happen, you know, he says, there's blame on both sides, the Nazis and the non-Nazis. Yeah. Like, this is crazy. That was my biggest fear is, Who's going to protect them? Who's mm-hmm. going to like, and we see, you know, there's Muslim women with their heads covered who are being punched, punched in the face on buses. Like, yeah, the, 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 that, that too in itself is ignorance and that's due through lack of yeah. education too. So I think exactly. to me, part of how I can start to really 
show up and step up is to hold conversations like this on the podcast, especially because in the spiritual world, they're like, oh, I don't get involved in politics. And it's like, well, then you're part of the fucking problem. Well, then you have enough privilege not to be like every person I know who is extremely highly political is political because the personal is political. They don't have a choice about being Mm -hmm. political because either they're trans or they're black Mm -hmm. or they're gay or they're whatever. Mm -hmm. And they don't have a space and a, and a room to to experience the privilege of not having to worry about that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So as a as a person who holds a position of you know having a platform or speaking to people and speaking to their hearts it's and their souls because that's what we do we speak to their hearts mm-hmm. and their souls and that's where fear doesn't get to live fear doesn't actually live in our hearts and its souls on our souls it lives in our egos and our mm-hmm. egos are kind of this like shell around our hearts and our souls that we have to break through which is also can be stuck inside the auric field like yes. that's the holes that can because your auric field is that light body and if you have those traumas or that pain yes. there's there's like Swiss cheese in your auric yes. field so that's where the fear exactly. resides like that's like the the places that it can metastasize in that like yeah um absence of light in the voids yeah absolutely and that's you know that's exactly what I was coming to is the the all that anger all that violence that I was so afraid of occurring is people being afraid which you know it's it's hard to be compassionate toward the aggressor but we have to we have to get to that level where we go okay you're an aggressor because you're afraid Mm -hmm. well how can we touch your heart and help you not be afraid how can we help you what do you actually need and what did you need like what 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 do you feel like you're lacking right now and that sometimes that takes them to have to do deep reflection because they're so caught up in the story they're so caught up in the ego so this is also an invitation for whoever is listening the more you do the work on yourself the less you'll also see that yes because we are seeing that because it's an invitation for us to really address and to be like okay well this is coming up as my reality if i want to get rid of it and if i want to transmute it i have to get radically honest that in the areas of my life where that's still going absolutely absolutely i know you created your decks and you had these two decks that you created so um something that i really love about your deck going back to privilege and you know talking about people of different races and stuff is that you were very um conscious of like making sure you had all races and focused on inclusivity yeah inclusivity so and that's been something that's been really interesting too because like I'm I'm creating I have this course uh taxes for creatives and which I'm so excited for thanks yeah my friend who's like doing it with me Evelyn she was like we are not using the term exclusive we are not using the term bonus you know like getting rid of those like salesy-esque terms of like exclusivity like no we're inclusive like the intention is to include everyone so that they can be in that abundance and to like really respect their money it's not like we're better than you it's the inclusive um things and so the the thing that I want to go with this is like to really heal the racism and the bigotry we're seeing in the world it takes us on an individual level to start taking action to include those who may be marginalized. Right. I just wanted to create, I want to, I know I'm one person and also like I'm a white girl. So like there's only so much that I know. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and I, and I only want to be a megaphone. I don't want to talk over anybody. Mm -hmm. So what I can say is that as a white person, I did my best Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I focused on inclusivity but I think the thing that I walked away from this pro- this process with, which got me really excited, was 
I can do better. Mm. Um, because with this project, I was limited because I didn't have the same sorts of resources with my very first product, my very first deck. And I still think it's beautiful and I'm proud of it, but I see that I could have more differences in, in body shape. I see that I could have more differences, like even more tonality, but my goal was to, to normalize the experience of seeing different shades of skin in an Oracle deck. Cause I have a drawer right in front of me of 10 different decks, um, that with the exception of, you know, four or five cards in maybe in each one, but certainly not in some of them. There's no difference in skin tones. There's, mm-hmm. there's all white people. Angels are always white, you know, mm-hmm. like, and so for this deck, I wanted the imagery of the angels that were communicating the messages to be reflected in the faces of real women, mm-hmm. to be reflected in the faces of real people. And that was my, that me. And it made me realize, okay, great. This is, you know, I, I did the best I could with the resources I had. Next time I'm going to go harder. I'm going to go bigger. I'm going to do better. Um, because it, you know, obviously it makes me feel good to do this, but that's not the point. The point mm-hmm. is to make other people feel like they're included. Mm-hmm. And also to the whitewashed world, I want to normalize the vision of these different skin tones in our divination tools mm-hmm. because there's just not enough of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's been really interesting too because I've just been studying a lot more about like uh, wellness beyond whiteness and, yes. you know, and just really being able to embrace like and honor people of all shapes and sizes. And what's so funny is that I think back to like 16-year-old Sabrina who was like living in Italy that summer and seeing like, people of all different body types and everything like embracing who the, they are. Yes. So I think it's been part of, it's been like a slower process for America to really wake up to, yeah. even though we truly are the melting pot of the world. Like we have all these different ethnicities and races. And so I think also what's happening right now, it's in the world is that it's fueling the oppressed yeah. to really like break free from the shackles and break free from the stereotypes that they have been conditioned to believe is normal. Right. It's been normalized through generations. And it's been systematized. I Mm -hmm. mean, there's systems that the world has put in place, that society has put in place to continue to keep them marginalized. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I think we're we're in a generation and we're in an age and a place where people are teaching us and helping us to realize how we can be better allies. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I, I've it's really not even about being on. an ally because like I, that's what they were saying at this conference I went to. It's not even saying it's an ally because then it's still like you're still outside. Right. So it's like how can we just be inclusive together? Right. I think I think I still resonate with the with the term ally because I respect and honor that my experience is different. Mm-hmm. Like I'll never feel what certain people feel. And I think I have to just acknowledge by saying an ally. I what I'm what I'm saying is, I'm I under I recognize my privilege, and all I want to do is use it in a way that makes you comfortable. I want to ask questions. I want to be supportive, and there's there's no way that I I can't do that. So for instance, I have a friend who came to me um, with concern about my business name, Merhipsy, because it's it includes the word gypsy in it. It's mm-hmm. mermaid hippie gypsy, and I had to look at my own self and be like, well, shit. <laughs> like I, I had an awareness that it was um, a, a, like a term, a racial term, but I had never really encountered anybody that recognized it that way or, or like had an issue with it. Never. Mm-hmm. Like even, even Romani people were like, I don't care. Um, but someone came to me and said, I have an issue with this. And so I have not actually used that word. I took it out of my bios. I took it out of everything. Now 
you know, if people ask me, I'll tell them what merhipsy means. But I also say, you know, even though I identify as this and even though it means something to me, it's a portmanteau award that I created. Um, I refrain from expanding on the definition of it now because it, it it's hurtful to people and I have to acknowledge that. So, and that takes and that like to like get to that level, it's like totally like getting out of the ego. Yeah. And that and that is a way for us to understand we this is the importance of having conversation. Right. And this is how we learn. We learn through the experience, you know, and we learn through the experience of sitting across or hearing from someone who may be feeling oppressed and like really connecting to their heart on like what they feel and having right. that be like the shift or like the aha of like, oh shit, like again, going back to that privilege or that unawareness or right. uh, the ignorance, it is a form of ignorance and we have to admit that and there's nothing wrong with that. Correct. So we can't be shaming ourselves for it. But now when you know better, you have to do better. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that was it was, I think there was a point at which I could ignore it. And, and like, I was like, well, no one's, no one's upset about it. Like, I guess that's okay. And then the day came when someone said, I have a problem and I could no longer ignore it. And this was actually a friend of mine and she was so cool and so kind about it. She was like, I think you have to acknowledge the use and to discontinue the use. And I was like, man, fuck. Like, yeah, you're absolutely right. And my ego did react. It was like, but, 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 but. And then I just was like, you know what? I can't do that. I can't, I can't let my ego take control of this because if it's hurting someone, it's hurting everyone. Mm-hmm. If it hurts someone, then it's putting a poison into the collective and I don't want to be responsible for that. Mm-hmm. So I had to make a change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, even like there's so many other words like tribe and stuff and right. a lot of that, you know, that's been like a huge hot topic as well. Yeah. So I think like for me, I'm I'm working on being more conscious of saying community. Sometimes tribe still slips up mm-hmm. and it can be challenging for me because I grew up on like in Palm Springs where there was all the tribes and all right. the tribe members and stuff and but it's definitely um, like a willingness to do better, you know, yeah. and it's a willingness to and don't beat yourself up if you slip. You know, it's like if things like that have been ingrained yeah. <laughs> for a while and if a slip up happens and you're working on being better, like that's OK. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think a lot of our it's interesting because now even as like we continue to do the work and then we see our parents or they may be kind of reacting to a certain way or they're still stuck in that it's like yeah know that the only thing you can do is to be by example exactly I actually I had a moment with a loved one where they um what's called clocking when you clock a trans a trans person where they had said if I didn't know that that wasn't a girl I would totally think that was a girl and I was like just don't just don't just don't say anything like don't even clock them inside your own brain. Just they don't understand the idea exist. how there's no more like gender is like dying yeah. out. Yeah. Like it's not, you know, like the fact that there's more gender neutral bathrooms kind of coming up and. Or just gender fluid expression. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that's one of the things I love about Gen Z. Like they're gender fluid. Mm-hmm. They are queer positive. They mm-hmm. are inclusive. They like, that's my, that's one of my favorite things about them is mm-hmm. like, they're just accepting of one another. Like I have a and friend And they don't, a, and they don't judge either with body types. Right. They're very, they, they are more body positive than mm-hmm. our generation, which was mm-hmm. like all super skinny, mm-hmm. Abercrombie, everything. Oh my like, God. Like every color just, of polo oh, from Abercrombie. Just, just, or Hollister. <laughs> oh like even God. thinking back to that is just like triggering the fuck out of me. Like I can't even like think about all the pop colors, the layers oh of pop God, colors. Oh my God, the layers of pop colors. Oh, I know I had all the colors. <laughs> 
But the generations to come are constantly teaching us because they haven't been jaded by the society. They haven't been jaded by the media. They haven't been jaded by, you know, the, the density of life in this polarity planet. Yeah. They have their own, I definitely see that they have their own battles, their own traumas, Mm -hmm. their own things to overcome, but I think they don't have the same types of issues that we had. And so I think Mm -hmm. we look at them with this sort of like reverence, but at the same time, I do think that some baby boomers look at millennials with like a little bit of, um, reverence because I know for a fact that our parents loved us more or expressed more love to us than their parents expressed totally. to them. And I think that they, they were soft with us. They, you know, they did their best to be soft with us. They weren't all soft, but they did their best to be soft with us and they never got that. And I think that they look at us with some, some sort of like desire or envy, um, which is ironic because they're the ones that gave it to us. They're the ones that gave it to us. And yet I think they still have like a, a an envy or a desire for it themselves. Like they wish that they had received that same type of nurturing. And I get that because it's valuable to me. It means everything to me. And that's me. why I just want millennials to be super financially successful so that we can like give back to our parents. Yeah. Because I feel like our generation, like our parents really sacrificed a lot. Oh, yeah. And I think there's there's a lot of like tension I find between boomers and millennials because it's like there's you know you see all these memes where it's like why can't you just buy a house I bought a house it's like well you know prices are different everything's different you didn't have thirty thousand dollars in student loans or whatever yeah but I, the, the thing that I always come back to with everything that I do whether it's with clients or my own life every person in the world does the best they can with what they have mm-hmm. and if you can acknowledge that someone is judging you or hurting you or transgressing against you from a place of literally not being able to do better in that mm. moment it sort of washes it all away so i don't have anger toward boomers like do i think they kind of jacks themselves up yeah but do i think they jacks themselves up because no one taught them to do any better no one taught them to be any different you saying that right now because then there's even things as us as millennials we weren't really taught so right. again it goes back it's like fuck like we had to continue to understand that like they did their best yeah and there's still things for us that we need to continue to still learn yeah like that's why Evelyn and I created this taxes for creatives class because we weren't taught how to really properly file taxes or like things like that because or like balance a checkbook. Yeah. Like these things that, you know, that we were never really, um, sat down to talk about. And then it's like, well, let me just try to fucking figure this out. But again, like with this, with this Aquarian age, it's about community and cooperation and how can we support each other? Because if we can help empower each other financially, then imagine what our money can do in the world. And the 90s were like a time of affluence, but like, I feel like it was competitive affluence. It was like, even if you look at movies, it was all about like, who's at the top of the, the top of the CEO pile on mm-hmm. Wall Street and everyone's in their suits. It's like, I just feel like the 90s were so full of consumerism and affluence mm-hmm. and competition. And then the bubble burst. Exactly. And then the bubble burst. And we've, and we are now coming into a state of how do we become financially free so we can lift others up? How do mm-hmm. we become financially free? And, and my whole thing with my business is, I have this like pain and this is totally almost off topic, but I have this pain because I'm alone in what I do. Mm -hmm. And my whole entire career, I've been like, partner with me, partner with me, partner with me to like every cool person I ever meet. And they don't, um, because they got their own thing going on, which is fine. But I know that spirits like, come on, you're meant to do this on your own. You're meant to do, you have your own work, your own path. But I, 
I feel like I'm just so drawn toward collaboration. I'm but you so have. Drawn. You collaborated in this deck. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I'm, you know, currently I'm designing a sound healing, online sound healing course with a friend of mine. I have, now I'm in a space where I'm, I'm in a total flow of collaboration. But mm. up until this point, it was like very much me Lone on my wolfing. own. Yeah. Like, but I, all I wanted was to work with someone else because I actually don't experience competition with people. Like mm-hmm. I... I have moments of humanness where I feel inadequate, mm-hmm. but I don't look at another person and go, you have something and you don't, you shouldn't have it. And I want it more than you should have it. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't, it doesn't flow through me. It doesn't resonate and with And it me. doesn't, it doesn't lift the consciousness of, exactly. of it either. Cause then there's still the, the resistance, you know, and we want to choose to live in a path of least resistance and we can be in that space of least resistance when we're supporting each other yes. because then we can be in that mindset of abundance. Exactly. And that's where I'm really feeling like this whole time my, my soul has just been saying community collaboration. Mm-hmm. It's, it hasn't really been about collaborating. It's just been about me wanting to be a part of the collective because mm-hmm. being a, being a thought leader or being a healer or being whatever it is, however we, we want to identify you do have to stand on your own. You do have to speak your message because your message and your medicine individually will speak to certain people in the world. Through your story. That's why it's important to embrace your, your story. story and everything that has brought you here. That story doesn't need to define you. Exactly. But knowing that there's no accident to what it is you've experienced. And what it is that's created you. I find that in the journey of this, you know, be, to going from where I was to where I am, that's the thing that I keep giving to people is like, you can do what I've done. I'm not a person who doesn't want to teach other people how to be healers or someone who wants to, you know, hold people down so I can rise and be special. It's like, I specifically want people to know they don't have to depend on me. They don't need me to have a connection to the divine. Cause that's what I do. I'm a channel. I haven't mentioned that yet, but I'm a channel. And I want people to know, like, I don't want them to work with me forever. I want them to work with me until they're ready to listen for themselves. Until the mission's complete. Like we, like the, when, you know, the teacher will come when the student is ready. Exactly. And so when clients graduate out of my, my work or my experience, I don't bemoan it. And I don't feel like, I don't go, oh, lost income. I'm just like, great, great. Mm -hmm. They don't need me anymore Mm -hmm. because they've found themselves. More than just that too, there also can be time with our tools. That sometimes we, we, we use these certain tools that gets us to where we're going and then the tools don't really need to exist anymore. Exist anymore. Yeah, absolutely. So there's also no shame of that too. Cause I know for me, like I used to be a big student of A Course in Miracles, but Mm -hmm. now like I've moved forward from that because it gave me what I needed. Like I understand the principles of like everything is love or an opportunity for love. Like that's it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So I don't need to keep going through the 100 and the 365 days every day because I did that for three years and it's just that loop. Yes. And you know, and that's why, again, why like I'm not doing trauma work anymore and I'm focusing more on spiritual business because I mission complete. Like I I finished the mission of what spirit led me to do that work. Exactly. But I can continue to be by example and lead by example by up leveling to the next step. A hundred percent. I feel like even in, I remember I read a book by Doreen Virtue and she's, she's a hot topic because of what's been going on with her. But back in the day when she um, was in alignment with my beliefs is the best way I could put that. Um, Cause my, this drawer I was talking about full of Oracle cards, 95% her decks, mm-hmm. right? Like she was, she was probably the, the single most influential figure for me growing up 
of spirituality. Mm-hmm. All of her books, all of her decks, mm-hmm. all of her everything. Like I consumed it and it felt so familiar to me. I was mm-hmm. like, you're not teaching me anything. Mm-hmm. You're affirming for me that I'm not insane. And all the things that I think are real. So I remember reading a book by her. I believe it's called... Um, divine guidance how to have a divine dialogue with your angels and guides i'm like pretty sure that's it it's all it's like out of print now obviously like all her stuff but it's been long out of print there's a part where she says i stopped doing sessions a long time ago because my job wasn't to connect with people in session my job was to teach people how to connect for themselves and when i read that i was like i'm gonna go through that one day and i'm going through it right now Mm -hmm. i I've changed the structure of my business. I still take client sessions, but now I am one, sharing stuff on the podcast, two, creating actual Mm -hmm. divination tools through the cards, and then three, I'm making courses how to, I have a course right now about how to read Oracle cards. I'm developing a course about how to identify your intuitive type and strengthen it, doing a course on sound healing, Mm -hmm. all these things. I want to teach people how to do these things for themselves and for others. That empowers them too. Exactly. Or that's not like if you, because if you're relying on me, if you're relying on you, if you're relying, if you're relying on someone else exactly. except yourself, then you're actually giving away your power. Exactly. And there always has to be a teacher. Like you always have to rely on mm-hmm. someone else at some point. So mentorship is critical. Absolutely. If you want to really be successful in the world today, all the successful people I know and I'm also study un- like under or with, they still have mentors. Absolutely. Plain and simple. So you need to make sure you invest in yourself yes and invest your time and your money and your energy to support someone else who is where you want to be every great coach has a coach every great intuitive has an intuitive that they refer to Mm -hmm. everyone has that person Mm -hmm. and because you don't have to you can't do it by yourself you can't up level being in the same thing that you're doing I had someone approach me a few years ago now when Kyle Gray sort of came on the scene Mm -hmm. and they were like have you heard of Kyle Gray I was like yeah and they said well we want to make you our Kyle Gray for our company, our organization. We want you to create a, a, a course in intuition and how to expand it and do a whole thing. And we'll, we'll make you the face of it, blah, blah, blah. And I remember being so opposed to that. I was like, no, thank you. Everything in my body was like, I don't want to be a public figure. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be the face of anything. And now I'm glad I, I'm glad I didn't take that opportunity for sure. Um, because I needed to do my own thing. But now I'm in a place where it's like, that's actually what I would love to do is just focus on education and creating programs, creating opportunities. And I, I've come to a place where I understand that being a public figure or being a, um, like a, a thought leader is not a bad thing. Cause I really, I'm really, um, uncomfortable with like the idea of a guru or like a, or like the group think, um, like going to conventions where everyone's just dying to watch like Tony Robbins or something like I get a little uncomfortable just because I I understand that they need that, but I just wish they or they knew they already had it. The so teachers I, are just there to remind you what you forgot. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, I, I I've always had like a little bit of resistance around that, and it's because I think I was really unable to acknowledge that that was where I was headed. That's where I was going, and so my discomfort in watching other people do it was my discomfort for myself of becoming it. And so when someone offered me that opportunity, I said, no, thank you. No, thank you. And now, um, like I said, I'm glad I didn't walk that path specifically, but it is where I'm headed. And it's, and I know I have to embrace that. I have to do that. And I, and I have to enjoy it so that I can be someone who can teach rather than just do. Um, and, and And you teach what you've experienced. Yes. Because you teach what the, your clients are the you, you used to be like, that's what, like you go through that experience and, that that's a former version of you because you have the experience. And then again, like 
continue to move forward. Exactly. I also find that the people that I want to teach, some of them are who I used to be and some of them are someone I've never been. And I think they need to see someone like me exist. And I don't mean for that to sound egotistical at all. What I mean is I have never been disconnected from my intuition because I was never dissuaded from believing in it. Luckily, my parents were both just like, yeah, you're intuitive. You're connected. You're cool. You talk to ghosts. No problem. That seems fine and normal to us. But there are so many people who did not have that experience. And so I want to be an example of what a person looks like who's always been connected to their intuition, who's always been connected to their divinity, what kind of life you can create, what kind of existence you can have, what kind of impact you can impart when you are that type of person. But in order to be that example, I got to actually be that example, right? I got to like you gotta walk actually, the talk. exactly. So right now I'm focused on being in a state of growth so that I can come into a place where I can be that example and mm-hmm. then be an educator and a support to others as they live that and I've done it on a micro scale in session and I'm finding that spirit is guiding me to move into something a little more bigger like a like a wider scale now but I think a lot of us who've been doing this for a few years now are feeling the exact same way all of my friends are like stepping out of one-on-one work absolutely we're a little bit drained we're a little bit tired yeah it's been a lot and like I said I think we didn't really know the energetic boundaries for a long time Mm -hmm. and as you continue to do the work become increasingly more sensitive correct so you know it's really important to have the boundaries to especially if you are and this is your profession Mm -hmm. having that client boundary you know and um and that takes worth like worthiness yeah it takes experience of like being drained for so many years and then you just get enough of tired of your own shit and you're just like and I mean how many times in session do we tell people if something's not making you happy stop doing it Mm -hmm. right like and I I think I've already written this email in my head that I know one day I'm going to send to my clients which is everything that I've taught you I'm now doing like this no longer serves me I'm no longer in alignment with this it no Mm -hmm. longer makes me happy to serve on a one-on-one client basis so it's time for me to practice what I preach to do exactly what I've encouraged you to do and walked you through for years and years Mm -hmm. it's time for me to let this go like I've written that in my head already because I know one day that's coming I'm going to shift into the role of teacher, the role of creator more full time. You're already, yeah, you're already doing it. Exactly. Yeah. And I know. Just more of the embodiment, like the unfolding of the embodiment. And at first that really scared me. I remember like feeling a little bit of dissonance from client work and being like, oh no, I went through a a straight up quarter life crisis. I was like 25 at the time because I started doing this really young and I had already been in work or in service for like three years. And I was like, oh my gosh, I achieved my dream. My dream I've always wanted. I already got it. I did it. And it did, doesn't make, it doesn't make me happy. <laughs> what do I do? Mm-hmm. And I was so afraid. And then finally one day I, I, I shut off that goddamn monkey brain that was trying to make me afraid. That was like, what do I do? I've ruined my life. I'm not happy. And what I heard spirit say very quietly underneath was, you're just going on to the next thing. You're just you're going leveling on to the next phase. And as soon as I acknowledged that, it was time to make the decks. And then I've, mm-hmm. I have been so happy. And even doing client work felt good again because mm-hmm. I was pursuing this. I was pursuing what I needed to be doing mm-hmm. on the on the side. And now it's all coming together. 
I've got the podcast where I share live client sessions. I've got the decks where I work with people all the time. I, I, it's all coming together. The courses where I teach people how to do it for themselves. So when I'm in client sessions, I'm just like happy as all get out because I'm connecting with the people that I'm here to serve. Mm-hmm. It all fits better together now. So I know that when we have a resistance to something, it's just spirit saying, hey, you've outgrown this in this capacity. You've outgrown mm-hmm. this in this form. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned to stop being afraid of it. And so now whenever that comes up, I'm just like, oh, you're trying to make me be interested in something else. Mm-hmm. Great. I'm in listen. Yeah, the biggest thing I like to say, it's happening for you and not to you. Yes. You 100%. know, and some, what's been really interesting too that I've just been seeing is, you know, a lot of that evolution and, you know, practicing what you preach. You know, I was, when I was uh, doing my last launch for Thrive, it was like, you know, stop playing small. And to me, like doing the trauma work was me playing small. I know it's big work, right. but I... Uh, business and marketing is kind of like what I feel like I'm really good at in branding yeah. and branding. And like, clearly you have an aptitude for it. I mean, what was the first thing I said when you came in? I was like, oh my God, she's website. so funny. She was like, oh my God, your website. I was like, who made this? And I scrolled down the bottom and, and I saw you did it. it. And I was really just excited by that and blown away by it because I am extremely similar to you. Visual branding. Yeah, our branding business. is very aligned. It's very aligned. <laughs> and it's my passion, but I, I haven't really developed the or given the time to develop the technical skill for it. Mm-hmm. So instead I've I've found hands. So like for my decks, I I worked, I collaborated. I was like, change this to this, everything. Like I was I was a deep part of the artistic process. Same with my website, everything. But I don't have the... And your website's so beautiful. Thank you. I it's love not it. my hands doing it, but my hands are really deep. Okay, so I want to talk about this too because there's, yeah. there's also that point in entrepreneurship where building the team. Yeah. Because, you know, as we continue to up-level, we have to understand that we can't do everything on our own. Yeah. So that in itself takes... Yeah. You know, it's a huge leap yeah. of like the worthiness and like getting out of the comfort zone. And you well, know. I think you come through that in every stage. So, like for instance, I I tell people the story all the time. I started my hipsy healing with literally nothing. Mm-hmm. I had lost my job, which was divinely orchestrated. I'd been saying I was going to quit for six months. I never did. And then one day there was budget cuts, and I had to go. So it was like divinely orchestrated. I realized that I had nothing but a severance package and a dream um, to make. Excuse me, to make that happen. And I took huge leaps along the way. I paid for photos and a bit and a website when I had nothing. Mm-hmm. I paid for, I, I remember taking out a space before I had enough clients to pay the rent for that space. And it was like brick cement, like no windows, dank. The, the landlady was straight up abusive. She just terrified me constantly. Um, and I remember like taking that leap of faith along the way believing and knowing like this is the work I'm supposed to be doing so spirit's gonna help me pay the rent on the space and before I knew it within three months I was more than profitable like I I had reached my expenses and then I was profitable and beyond what I had ever expected to be ever and then my dream changed what do you think what do you think allowed that to happen my faith complete Mm -hmm. 100% I took those leaps I took those risks and 100% 100% believe that spirit would catch me. Did I always feel comfortable enough to do it myself? Hell no. No. I mean, I had <laughs> I had a friend who came with me to tour that space, and she was like, if you don't do this, like, you're stupid. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, that's all I needed to hear. You're right. Like, if I'm just going to let fear keep me from doing this, then I'm stupid. And it was like a six-month lease. Okay, so I paid – it was like two seventy five a month for this little room. You know, like – Looking at that now, I'm just like, what? But there's people who are going through this process who want to become healers, who are so scared to take out that lease on their first little place They're in that same space. And ever since then, it's been, the leaps have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. The expenses have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And 
I recently, when we're talking about team building, I recently brought on um, a, an assistant. And I did that last year. That individual didn't work out. I went through like two different people. Finally, I have someone that I'm really stoked on. Um, but that was a process. And I think a lot of people, when they get to that point, they struggle with releasing control. Like you mm-hmm. hear that a lot. They're like, you don't, you're struggling to let go. For Especially me, when you had so many years of just doing it, doing by, it yourself. by yourself. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was the opposite. I was like, take it off my plate. Take mm-hmm. this, this, this. I think I almost gave her like too much. I was like, I want to do nothing but client calls at this point. Can you handle that? Can you run my business for me? And I had to find like a good little balance there. But it is, it is really a huge, huge part of the journey is to take those leaps trust and yeah and I always tell people like money is energy when you invest money into whatever you're doing business whatever it's going to come back to you but I find that people invest and then don't follow it up with the investment of faith the investment of belief and therefore they can invest also to scarcity yes exactly Mm -hmm. because what happens you give someone three thousand dollars or something and then you're like I don't now I'm out three thousand dollars okay and you also gained this, 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 and this perspective. Mm-hmm. You have to look at what you are gaining. You have to be excited about it. You have to put the energy into it and the, the energetic investment to know and believe that you're going to receive out of that. And I've had, I've had business clients who go through the exact same, same steps and journey that I went through. And if they've got the faith, it flows. And if they don't, they fall on their face and they want to blame me. And I'm like, listen, you're not in flow because you're not in faith. As soon as you can change your perspective, this is going to shift for you. And it immediately does. And they find that it's true. But I think people just don't want to believe that it can be so easy. Mm-hmm. Because and it's all a choice. Make us, it's yeah. a choice. And it's like as soon as you choose like, hey, I want it to be with the path of least resistance. Yeah. I choose. And I think even when we first start the business, like we can get so consumed and like not knowing when to shut off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm still like that. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a practice. <laughs> it's late at night right now while we're recording. You're mm-hmm. going to leave and I'm going to keep working. I have mm-hmm. emails to write. I have mm-hmm. stuff to send to someone who's building my Shopify site. I have client recordings to send out. I mean, I got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be working all night. But that's the other thing too. It's like, there's a difference between like doing shit and like being an inspired action and flow. Yes. Exactly. And the truth is I work for myself. So like I goofed off all morning, you know, Mm -hmm. I goofed off all morning. Then I did client calls and I'm prepared for your visit. Mm -hmm. Now I'm here and then I'm going to work later. And yeah, like I get to decide for me going, coming to Tucson. It's like, I've just been focusing on this launch for the past like few weeks. And then I'm going to Tucson. I'm going to find the biggest rose quartz piece I could find and like (laughs) hug it. And then I'm going to be with one of my girlfriends who's like my soul activating sister. And then we get to drive back. And then we're like, she's, we're like brainstorming together to like continue to up level and build our businesses. And I'm creating the taxes for creatives class, you know, as I'm recording this. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's just that this, that's the, that's the blessing that we have to also remember when we have, you know, build our own business. Like you have to remember why you did it, why right. you started. You wanted that independence. You wanted that freedom. Exactly. But we can still get stuck in that old paradigm of, because we, we saw our parents with it, like overworking and all of that. Yeah. And what I've learned through my own experience, like if I don't give myself time to self-care, if I don't give myself time to check out a little bit, yeah, like I'm, I'm setting myself up for disaster because I'll be Uh, resentful I'll be pissed I'll be drained I'll be exhausted you're not really serving people yeah because you're not at your highest self you know and so do it with this last uh with the last uh launch I had for thrive like 
the amount of up leveling I did of just self care was something I've never done before, right? Because if you want, you have to also make sure your vibration's high to continue to attract more people. Yes. You know, if you're not attracting the clients that you want, it's because you are not the solid container to hold exactly that space you're not attuned to the vibration of serving mm-hmm. I, for me everything is a matter of vibration mm-hmm. and it's about matching the vibration of whatever it is that you want and i speak that language all the time and people either hear me or they don't hear me and if they don't hear you it's because they still have work to do right exactly <laughs> and i think that's something that that's something i really struggle with in my business and maybe you experience this too is like reversing my language to so people can understand what i'm saying and it's really hard because like Woof. part of part of me is like, okay, I know I need to do that. And the other part of me is like, I want them to meet me where I'm at. Well, the, the, the other part of me is like, <laughs> I want I them wanna, to come up here. I want to work with the people who know what I'm saying. Like exactly. That's the, that's the level that's and your, type that's of your soulmate client that client. I want to work with. So mm-hmm. it's been, that's so, part so, of the journey too. For instance, like I just launched my podcast like uh, almost a month ago, a month ago today, actually. And, um, my dad listens to it Oh my god! and he's, such a lovely being. Like, I'm sure he'll listen to this one too because he loves me and he listens to whatever I do. <laughs> um, and it took us a long time to, to grow there. our bond. We were we were estranged for 10 years, wow. the majority of my teen years. And now we're very close and I love him dearly. But he'll sometimes call me and be like, okay, so what do you mean when you say joy is the needle on the compass of intuition? I don't even know. What the, I don't even agree with that. And then I enjoy, I actually enjoy when he says things like that to me because it makes me reflect like, wow, there's a vast majority of the population who has no fucking clue what I'm talking about. Like I could literally be saying and they would be like, yep, same, same difference to me. So I actually kind of enjoy getting that perspective. But at the same time, I feel like we're humans too, right? Like we're humans too. And so I'm kind of tired of like having to go back and get down to those fundamentals. I kind of enjoy... And, and honestly, that's why I, pr- I raise my price point and I shift my price point continuously. So when I started, I was at a certain price. I doubled that. And I've recently, I doubled that. And I feel Because you attract those people that it. value yes. themselves. And who are in a space to do that work. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm more than happy to refer out to people who are at a different This is the thing that I'm point. also seeing with that. I'm going to say that because yeah. that's something that I've really had to work through as well as I'm shifting more into spiritual business. Yeah. Because so many people, like the amount of like love notes I get every day of like, you've really helped me and you've been one of my teachers and your podcast has been life-changing for me yes my podcast is my my way of I get to be of service and to yeah. offer that free content to help spark people but we also got bills to pay right. you know and so I want to work with people who are committed to the path like yes the amount of people who are just like it seems good but they're not valuing themselves or, or feeling that they're worthy of that yes I'm actually very, my husband's an entrepreneur as well. He owns two software companies and an ads agency, an Instagram and Facebook ads agency. And having an entrepreneur, we both work from home. We can work from wherever we go. Having him as like an, just even an energy in the house mm-hmm. is dope. It's like the, one of the, the greatest things I, I feel blessed by him in all ways, but in that way, very particularly. But I find that I am money motivated because I want to do amazing stuff with it. So for Mm -hmm. instance, in 2017, we donated money to build a school in Kenya and we went there and visited it in 2018 in the summer. And as soon as we were there, we were like, okay, we got to get enough money to build the high school now. Like we got to get enough money to build them a water pump. We got, it's like, there was, there was the the principal of the school came out. That's the healing about, about the money mindset. Exactly. 
the principal came out and was like, we have a student who just really needs a wheelchair so his friends don't have to carry him to school because his legs don't work. It's like, yeah, I'm going to buy that kid a wheelchair and his books and his uniform because in U.S. dollars, it cost me $4 total for all that mm-hmm. stuff. Like, I am so focused. That, By the way, that, that, that organization, for anyone who's interested, is called Village Impact, and they're life-changing. I'm obsessed with Stu and Amy who run it. I, I, everyone on their team is amazing. Uh, it's been life-changing for me. I've made friends. I've made – just it's my life. And all I want to do is figure out a way – to scale my business so I can give insane amounts of money to that organization and every other one to, so I can donate to Marianne Williamson's campaigns. Like, you know, it's like for me, money is, is freedom. And so I am money motivated because I want to do stuff with that money. And I've had people that I do certain events with or things that I have partnered with in the past. And I had a friend who was like, I don't even care if we make money from that one. I just want to like do it. And I'm like, you can't be that way. Like, first of all, you can't eat food if you don't have money and then you can't serve people if you're dead. So good math or and you can't <laughs> serve people if you're malnourished exactly because your vibration is it's not low yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah. so I take it to the extreme like you'll die you'll get chlamydia and you'll die um but I also know that you know when you don't value your work your work is less valuable if mm-hmm. you can say things like I probably won't make any money doing this but I just you know I want to do it it, you're you're valuing it in some way. You're understanding that it, that it's giving and it's it's healing and nurturing to others. And I respect and honor and, and admire that. And also, it's important to understand the value of what you do. And I think in this industry, people kind of want to shame us a lot um, and be like, well, "That's part of the healer complex that yes. we're healing through." If it's, you're spiritual, then why do you need to make money? Or like, why like yeah, why would you charge? Because that, that's the thing too. And you have to understand. Because uh, you know, I'm a sociologist. You have to understand the patterns of the past. Yes. And you have to learn from that. And a lot of that was the healers in, you know, generations before the community took care of them. Yes. Everything. Like they were like, people would go to them, but all of their needs were met. We live in a new time where it's like rent and in, in housings like through the fucking roof. And, and like. And there was a paradigm as well that spirituality was equated with, um, asceticism or like not having not being connected to the material world or mm-hmm. we've seen you know like the gurus and the babas and like even the beatles when they were being you know spiritual influencers they were you know dressing raggedly and um you know talking about how love is all you need and you don't need money you don't need fame you don't need material stuff that's where a lot of you know boomers actually have their vision of spirituality is like um, you know, when Ram Dass came back from India and was very aesthetic and, um, aesthetic. Uh, so it's, I think that there's also that mentality that we're And that's what we also have to work through too, because there can still be that judgment of the boomer generation. That's like all these kids, like millennials, all these right. kids are just kind of coming up and they're, you know, they just expect everything for free or like. Yeah. All these things. It's like, oh yeah, we're actually fucking cleaning up the mess. Yeah. <laughs> we actually don't expect anything for free. We understand nothing is free and we're in tons of debt, but that's cool. Yeah. Thanks for the, yeah, thanks. Thanks for the tip. Yeah. Thanks for your, thanks for your uh, awareness of actually what's yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So I, I think like, you know, I, in the next couple of years, I think a lot of that conversation is also going to shift of like that deeper level of respect and awareness, but I can't, you know, and I think that's the other thing that I've had to really work through is like I, for a long time, like my heart was just so open that I gave everything for free yeah, because I just wanted to help people. And then I, I trained my audience to expect everything for free. Yep. And I, we see that all the time too. So much. Like, especially I find a lot of young people who are spiritual are I feel like they're a little bit confused, a little bit lost. I feel like 
there's certain types of people who like go to festivals, right? Like there's like festi- festival people that go to festivals and then there's like festy people who just like <laughs> live in their cars and like love to hoop and they like don't, they're, they like live in this very like scarcity mentality and I know these people because they're my friends. I have Mine friends too, that's like why this. I'm laughing. Yeah. And it's like, they actually don't, they literally don't know how we do it. Like they mm-hmm. look at us and they're like, well, you're just lucky. Like you just this or that or you're, you work so hard or you're, or they think you're better than me. And it's like, nope, I just chose to focus my energy differently and I chose to value myself differently and I see them getting there now but I was there like in my early 20s and now they're there in their like early 30s and they're like literally burned out they're burned out from living in their car and hooping for 10 years Mm -hmm. at fucking firefly or whatever and it's like I get it like you did all the frog venom trips that you could handle in your body and now you're trying to like get back to the space and I think it's it's about the fact that they weren't seeing their value from the beginning Mm -hmm. that they were like searching for it through this like spiritual thing they're like if I just do one more frog venom trip or one more this or that or whatever I I don't do drugs obviously you can tell um I've never done your combo yeah combo yeah so like, if I just do this one more time, like, I'll see myself, I'll understand my worth, I'll mm. know myself more deeply, um, and I, I don't judge them for being there. Like, That's I genuinely, exactly, I hold no judgment. I, I just feel it sometimes I've actually been judged by them, and it's so I just want to, I'm always interested in this conversation because I like to just say, like, we're just getting to the same place in different ways. You know, same thing, like I got married at 25 and I have friends who are in their 30s who are single and they're like, oh, you're so lucky. And it's like, why not? I just did that in my own time and you're doing it in your own time and it's going to be completely That's the fine. biggest challenge of social media. Like we Comparison. compare. Ugh, fucking, yeah. <laughs> it's tough, you know, and I think that's where the invitation of individuality comes in again and that's like through self-love and self-acceptance and to understand that we're all on different paths and we all will experience when we need to yeah so there's no place of like well this person's already here why the fuck am I not there like that's not your path and I always say like you know Yogi Bhajan would say patience pays who brought Kundalini Yoga to the west and it's like if if things haven't really aligned for you yet it's because something bigger is happening so just continue to like do your best continue to be your best continue to yeah just embrace where you are because the more that you honor where you are the faster what you desire will come. Yes. I, I always tell people that like if you're not present in the moment, if you're constantly projecting into the future of what you desire, you're mm-hmm. missing all the things you need to gain and learn and experience mm-hmm. in the present moment that's going to get you there. Mm-hmm. You've got to come into a space of Because this now is what you used to think about in yes. the past as the future. Dude, and honestly... And I'm sure I'm sure you experienced this too. Actually, where I am now is beyond what I had ever expected for myself. Oh yeah, like, it always exceeds expectations. And always, it's like, you know, it's it's always way bigger. The the room I was talking about before, that was the biggest I had ever dreamed of myself. Like a room with no windows, and you know, charging tiny, like penance for what I was doing. I never imagined I would actually create oracle decks. I never imagined I would create courses. I never imagined I'd be on You've a podcast or host a podcast. Alignment. Yes. I never imagined that that could happen for me. And it's that pattern of getting the spark and the idea from some, from spirit. Cause that's what happens. Spirit tells us, Hey, you could have this if you want it. Hey, what about this? When spirit speaks, you fucking listen. And, and then you take those leaps of faith <laughs> and you, they're literally leaps of faith. They're not just leaps. They're leaps of faith. You have to leap with mm-hmm. faith and in faith. Mm-hmm. And when you do, it flows, it comes in and, mm-hmm. it, and it happens so naturally and beautifully. But 
it, it takes a while to it learn. takes practice hear, hear the whisper because mm-hmm. that's I always whenever I in, like um, imitate spirit I whisper because that's what it's like sometimes. I and mean, if, sometimes you're, if you're so in your head, you can't hear it. That's exactly. why meditation and stillness needs to happen. Exactly. I always tell people the ego yells and screams, but spirit whispers. And mm-hmm. the purpose of your life is to hear and abide by the whispers of spirit under the screaming of the ego. Mm-hmm. Always. Oh my God. I've been so grateful for this conversation. I want to wrap Same. it up with yes. some lightning, lightning questions. Yeah. So what would you say is your animal totem? Changes all the time, but a coyote has appeared to me recently. I've seen so many walking, like, you know, us desert folk. Like, yeah. Well, you live, like, in a city. The, but one actually came. I walked outside this apartment, and you you were there right in that area where you came into park. Mm-hmm. There was a coyote. Just Today? In, in the middle of the day, uh, two weeks ago. Oh, wow. In the middle of the day. I live in the desert, like, in the desert desert. Yeah. So, like, I, when I'm leaving the dog park every day, like, yeah. I'm seeing at least one. They're yeah. so, they're, like, that's, like, it's, like, the spirit, too. They're very sly. Yes. And like, yes. I figure that is my totem since he appeared straight up in my face in the middle of the day in the middle of the metropolitan area. So I'm like, hmm, I think you're trying to tell yeah, me something. Yeah, definitely. So, coyote. What would you say was the one book that really changed the trajectory of your life? <laughs> Not the answer you're probably expecting. The Giving Tree. I love that. I have that on my bookshelf. Yep, The Giving Tree. And it taught me about my mother. Oh. Yeah. I've never had that answer before, but I love that so much. Keep it simple. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say to younger Zoe? Oh my gosh, I could cry right now. That's okay. You're okay. You're loved and you're okay. Yeah, girl. You're so I cry loved. when I think about her because she was so like beautiful and lovely and free. And I'm proud of who she is. Like, I don't cry because I'm sad. I cry because I love her so much. Like, yeah. my inner child is such a precious being in my heart. I love her like she's my own child. I love her so much. I love her. That's what I would tell her. Aw. I like, you're making me all too right? I <laughs> yeah. can't. All right. So where can we find, like, your plethora of offerings <laughs> and your plethora of givings, the decks? You've got two decks. You've got... Yeah, podcast. Um, so I have two brands. I have Merhipsy, Merhipsy Healing, and that's at merhipsy.com, M-E-R-H-I-P-S-Y, merhipsy.com. And then Mystic Rebel is where I do my decks, and my podcast is under the Mystic Rebel podcast, and my courses are under Mystic Rebel. So if you visit me at shopmysticrebel.com, soon it's going to be full of really cool stuff. Right now it just has my decks, and it looks janky. But it's in the works. It's called it's evolution. Be rad. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That was. Those are just honestly. Those are my pre-sale pages through like ClickFunnels. Amazing. Like, it's not even a real shop yet, but it's about to be. So that's exciting. Amazing. And if there's something like this conversation has had such a wide spectrum, and I loved it so much. If there's something that's really on your heart that needs to be shared with someone who's listening, what are you feeling, Miss Channel? Hmm. Well, first I want to thank you. I want to just be with you for a moment, and <laughs> and I, if anything, this conversation. I've, I've like witnessed you, right? Like we've witnessed each other and we've connected in and out. And I don't think I ever really thought like one day you'll be in my house and I'll feed you prosciutto and we'll like (laughs) record a broadcast, you know, like I don't think that ever really like came to my consciousness. 
Um, but now that it's here, I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful that you were willing to be with me, that like I caught your attention. That's like, an honor to me and where you were willing to go with me and take me. And the fact that you drove six hours and then sat down with me, like <laughs> in a matter of minutes, you're like, okay, I'm here. Let's do this. And you're about to go drive more. Like the fact that you took your time out of your life to come here is, I'm just so grateful but beyond your experience with me, I'm grateful for what you do for everybody. Thank you. Because it is important. It is valuable. And all the things we've talked about today are about us. You mm-hmm. know, it's about our politics and the way that we try to show up as good people and, and how we're learning to Change value makers. ourselves. And because you do what you do, you're making it possible for other people. Mm-hmm. You're making it possible for me. I'm grateful for you. Thank you. I'm just letting that soak in. Yeah. The Gemini sun, Virgo moon in me loves words. So... <laughs> Words of affirmation is my love language, so quality time it. is mine. Well, here we are spending quality time. And we're time. spending quality time, and you're saying these nice words. That's why I love doing live yes. podcasts, so I like was like, oh, yeah, we're fucking going on the road. Let's like, do this. Let's do this, yeah. To listeners, um, first of all, thanks for listening all the way to the end of this, because we were chatting, <laughs> but I want you to know that you matter that you're special and important. And when I say special, I don't mean like your mom said you were special. Like you're literally special. You're unique. You, no one in this entire universe is like you. No one that has ever existed is like you. No one that will ever exist is like you. You're the only you in the vastness of all that is. And that is so amazing. And I'm grateful for you and I love you. And I'm just so excited that you're here and you're willing to share yourself. And I hope you'll share yourself more. Because the world needs so much of you. Your smile, your laugh, your humor, your hugs, your kindness, your intelligence. All the things that make you you, the world needs you. And I'm grateful for you and I love you. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you, Zoe, for having me in your beautiful home. Thank you for letting me be in your beautiful podcast. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> and you. I look forward to having you on mine. I know we'll, we'll have to do a distance recording, but we're going to do it soon. We're going to yeah, set well, that up. Yeah, we've already started the vortex, so it's, <laughs> yes. like, we'll, it's like we'll be there. Exactly. Thank you so much, and thank you, everyone, for listening. And I know I can speak for myself, but I can also probably speak for Zoe here. We just really want you to really ingest what we just shared with you yes. throughout this conversation because... There's a lot of awakenings that can happen and just a deeper sense of awareness that you can go forth and Even really triggered. lead better. Yes, yeah. you are here to lead, be a leader of your generation. Yes. And so it just takes that deep dive, that leap of faith, yes. and that knowing and the desire that like you are here to move mountains. <sighs> yes. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Take care. I mean, how next level was this conversation? This is hands down one of my favorites I love doing them in person just because you feel each other's energy to such the next level and when you have another desert babe who understands the power of resilience we have incredible conversations to share with you all so so much love to my girl Zoe for being there doing the work sharing her medicine you can go check out shopmysticrebel.com to pick up her decks they're so beautiful also check out merhipsy.com and you can go check her out on instagram too at the underscore merhipsy all the links are in the show notes below again if you want to embark on the journey of thrive with me so that you can really grow your soulful business so that you can really heal the wounds of your past to lead as a medicine leader as a healer as a spiritual teacher a coach a mentor the world is ready for your medicine and people 
all over the world are looking for this. So you don't have to be living in majorly populated spaces like California or New York to get this medicine. The medicine of the online world came through at the perfect time for us to support each other. And this is what we're doing in Thrive. This is the opportunity for you to build your soulful business so that you can go forth and really unleash your medicine with the world. So again, you can check out experience.sabrinarichio.com slash thrive to sign up and apply. We'll have a little chat to see how I can best serve you, the vision you have, and all the things for you to really unleash your medicine with the world. But thank you again to Zoe. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for leaving your reviews on iTunes. It's what fuels me when the going gets tough, let me tell you. And I just appreciate you all for opening yourself up to this conversation and for really allowing yourself to take responsibility for your life and to do the work and to heal the lineage and to heal your childhood and to say enough is enough. I'm ready to soar. I'm ready to thrive in this human experience. So the world is ready for your medicine. Thanks again, Zoe. Love you, lady. And I hope you enjoyed and thanks for tuning in. We'll be seeing you soon. Take care. Satnam.